Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, if you happen to be visiting with us, I tell you what we hope. We hope that you have such a great experience here today that you can't help yourself. You just got to come back. Uh, last week, I started a new sermon series entitled Fear Less. My objective, of course, is by the end of this series, I hope that we all fear less. And how are these sermons going to help us do that? Uh, In the course of this series, I'm going to share with you a key. A key that will unlock your courage. And as a result, I promise you, you will fear less. And where we're going to find this key, I believe we're going to find this key in the Bible. Because week after week after week, we're going to take a look at some stories found in the Bible of people who struggled with fear. Some of them overcame it. Some of them didn't. And from their stories, we're going to identify the key that's going to unlock our courage. Last week, I told you the story of 11 Jewish men. We often describe these men as Christ disciples. Believing that Jesus was the Messiah, these 11 men followed him very closely for over three years. To their dismay, they followed him right to a cross where he died. And how, does his, how did his death impact them? Well, I want to step back and read a sentence from the Bible that we read last week. It's found in the New Testament of John, chapter 20, verse 19. The Bible said that Sunday evening. Now, what Sunday evening is this referring to? The Sunday evening following Christ's crucifixion. And it was the Sunday evening of the Sunday that Jesus actually had risen from the grave. Now, they weren't aware of that. The Bible says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. And why was that? Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. These 11 men just watched as Jesus was arrested. Uh, He was tried before a kangaroo court. Found guilty on false charges. Mocked and ridiculed. Severely beaten. And savagely executed on a cross. Because they were so closely associated with Jesus. You know what they assumed? We're next. It's just a matter of time. And we're going to experience everything that Jesus experienced. And they were terrified. And so what did they do? Well, fear sent them into hiding. They found what they felt like was an adequate hideout. Went in and locked the door behind them. From their story, this is what we learned last week. Fear imprisons. From the moment these men locked the door, they became prisoners. Not of the Jewish leaders, but prisoners of fear. The same door, the same locked door that protected them, imprisoned them. Their security came at a high price. It cost them their freedom. Their lives were officially on hold. They couldn't go to work. They couldn't take the kids down to the park. Couldn't take their wives out to dinner. Couldn't join the family on the annual vacation. Couldn't even get in around golf. Uh, they were stuck. Stuck in a prison of their own making. They were the ones who locked the door. And the same locked door that kept out danger was also keeping out life. 
with all of its opportunities, possibilities, and pleasures. And if we're not careful, guys, listen to me, fear will do the same thing to us. Because fear still imprisons. Fear says, lay low. Don't make any sudden moves. Don't take any chances. And maybe danger will pass us by. Well, maybe it will. But it's not uncommon while we're waiting on danger to pass us by that something else passes us by as well. Life. Every one of us is probably afraid of something. And I know what you men just thought. Not me, preacher. No, sir. I got a 12-gauge in the back window of my truck. I ain't afraid of nothing. I bet you are. That's why you got that 12-gauge in the back window of your truck. Everybody's afraid of something. Failure. Rejection. Embarrassment. Criticism. Commitment. Here's a big one. The unknown. Being alone. Being in a crowd. Clowns. I don't know what you're afraid of. I had to throw my personal one in there. I mean, you know, come on, man. I've never been to the circus in my life, and there's a reason for that. That's where those creeps hang out. I don't know what you're afraid of, but I know how fear works. This is what fear says. Fear says there's a way to avoid criticism. There's a way to avoid failure and embarrassment. Don't try. Just don't try. Fear said, says there's a way to avoid rejection. Don't ask. Fear said there, says there's a way to avoid the unknown. Don't go. Just stay behind these four colorless walls of predictability. So, Ronnie, what does life behind the locked door look like? Let's use our imagination for a moment. I've been thinking about this. There's a woman who has an idea, and it's a doggone good one. Along with her idea, she knows how to make the idea a reality. And if she does, she's probably going to come up with a product or a service that the public would gladly pay money for. So she entertains the idea of starting her own business. She might even run that idea by a couple of friends. And they say, that's absolutely what you need to do. And so she starts to the door. And pauses and step backs and went, nah. Why not? She's afraid of failure. There's a man. He's approaching middle age. He's worked for the same company since he graduated from college. His experience has not been great. He's been passed over for promotions time and time again. His pay is not comparable with others in his field. And his employer is treating him with no respect. 
He's often thought, I ought to put together a resume and try to get out of here. His family encouraged him. You're wasting your life there. That's what you ought to do. So he puts together the resume on the computer. And just before he emails it to potential new employers, just before he hits send, he goes, no. Why not? He's afraid of change. The job might stink. But at least he's familiar with it. He likes to say, I'm in a routine. That's synonymous for rut. There's a woman. She's accepted Christ. She's been learning. Growing. She's had a revelation of sorts. She's come to understand life is not all about me. Life's about me serving God by serving other people. She has an idea. I have these Abilities, I have this experience and I could actually pass that on to some other human being and help them. And so she has a, an idea about a new ministry. And, she, and just as she's starting to the door to launch this ministry, she goes, nah. Why? She's afraid of criticism. What if I don't do it like somebody else? There's a man, a young man. He's single. And on the inside, he's dying of loneliness. But he's met a single young woman. Maybe where he works, maybe where he goes to church. Maybe he does business where she works and he thinks, man, she's exactly the kind of girl I would love to get to know better and I know what I'm going to do. I'm asking her out. He grabs the phone and doesn't dial it. He goes, no, I won't. Why? He's afraid. He's afraid of rejection. She could say no. Fear says bad things happen if you venture outside that locked door. I'm not calling fear a liar, but I'm saying that fear is not telling us the whole truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. Outside the locked door, there are some things that are going to scare the socks off of you. I'm telling you the truth. It's out there. Let me tell you the whole truth. Uh, That's not all that's out there. Outside the locked door, there are opportunities, successes, meaningful relationships, adventure, and fulfillment. Life is outside the locked door. Fear is a relentless captor. And it will always be trying to take us hostage. Therefore, if we're going to live life to the full, we've all got to overcome fear. And how do we do that? Uh, we're going to have to unlock our courage. And what's that going to take? It's going to take a key. We've got to have a key. And I think I know where we're going to find it. These 11 men eventually unlocked the door and resumed their life. And what was the key they used? Let's read John chapter 20, verse 19 through 21. Now, we're going to read several verses of Scripture this morning. Let me tell you why. Last week was the introductory sermon. This is the foundational sermon. And then we're going, to, we're going to go from here and build on this. So we've got to read a lot of verses. These, John 20, verse 19 through 21, we've already read that first sentence. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Now look at this. This will change things. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. 
Look what he said. First words out of his mouth. Not, hey guys, I'm back. Want you to know I'm doing well. What's first words out of his mouth? Peace be with you. He said, and as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were all filled with, that's a key word, joy. Don't think they've been feeling much of that in the past 72 hours. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, look at this, peace be with you. This next sentence really grabbed a hold of me this week. Look at this. I think it's key to our story. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. He didn't say, now the Father sent me, but I tell you what, I see that you guys are afraid, so if you want to hunker down, that's just fine with me. I don't want to put you in a stressful situation. I don't want you to step outside your comfort zone. Did you read that? He said, as the Father sent me, guys, I'm going to have to send you. Let me paraphrase. This is the Hodge translation. This is what Jesus said to to these men. Guys, my Father didn't allow me to stay in heaven safe and sound. He sent me into the world knowing that danger lurked there. You know why he did that? Gentlemen, he knew that I could never be what he wanted me to be, the Savior, and I could never accomplish what he wanted me to accomplish, saving people, if I stayed safe and sound behind the protective walls of heaven. So the Father sent me, and as he sent me, I'm sending you. Get your stuff together. I know you're scared. I want you to get your stuff together. Because if you're going to become what I want you to be and accomplish what I want you to accomplish, you can't stay here behind these locked doors. Man, I think there's a great lesson in in this for all of us, and that is Jesus doesn't want any of us living life behind the locked door. Can I tell you a couple of reasons? Reason number one, life's miserable behind the locked door. Jesus imparted peace to these prisoners of fear. That's the first thing he did. So apparently behind the locked door they had no peace and apparently they had no joy. That had to be miserable, didn't it? No peace, no joy. Do you know what prisoners of fear do behind the locked door? Do you know what prisoners of fear do behind the locked door? I'll tell you what they don't do. They don't party. I promise you they weren't sitting there smoking cigars. You know, playing board games. Laughing hysterically. Telling jokes. Life behind the locked door is no party. People there don't experience joy. You know what they do behind the locked door? They worry. They worry that something big enough and bad enough is on its way and it's going to knock down the locked door and it's going to harm me. Jesus didn't come to give us a miserable life. Did you know that? Jesus came to give us life to the full. And you know where life to the full is? It's outside the locked door. There's, of course, another reason Jesus doesn't want to stay behind the locked door. We're people on mission. Our mission is to share Jesus and the life he offers. And so if we're going to do this, we can't remain prisoners of fear. We've got to overcome fear. We've got to unlock the door, pursue life to the full, and help others do the same thing. Jesus wanted these men to unlock the door and go back to living. So he promised them something that would enable them to do this. After his resurrection, Jesus spent 40 more days with these guys. Did you know that? 
And during this time, he continued to encourage and instruct them. And just before he sent it back to heaven, he, he made them a promise. And, I, and it's found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Let's read it together. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, what's that next word? Key word, go. He did not say, therefore, hunker down because I'm sympathetic with the fact that you're nervous or you're frightened or you're anxious or you're worried. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth and here's what I want you to do. Go, guys, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And I believe that as he's telling this, he, can, he knows that they're still terrified. So he's got to share something with them that would alleviate their fears. And so he made them a promise. And I want you to look at this. I love this. He said, and be sure of this. He's saying, you know what, guys? Maybe there's a whole lot in life that you can't be certain about. But I'm about to share something with you that you can be certain about. I'm telling you, it's a rock-solid promise that you can count on. He didn't say, hey, you can proceed with some degree of certainty about this. He said, hey, you can be sure of this. You can be confident of this. You can be 100% confident of what I'm about to tell you. You can be sure of this. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. For how long? Huh? What does it say, guys? Always. Not until, not these last few moments, until you see me ascend. Always. How long is that? I, I believe he goes on to clarify that, doesn't he? What does it say there? Until the end of the age. Until the end of the age. Give me just a minute. If there was any doubt about their purpose, Jesus just clarified it for them. They were to share Jesus and the life he offers with their fellow man. This is what I want you to do. To do this, guys, you can't stay behind this locked door. Can't do it. Uh, You got to go out. Jesus, knowing they were still afraid, so he made them a promise. And the promise was simple but profound. I'll be with you. For the remainder of your lives. And throughout all eternity. I'll be with you in every battle, every challenge, and every problem that you ever face. I'll be right there. In the good times and the bad, I'll be with you. Always. You boys will never be alone. I will walk with you every step of the way. Some of you may be asking, well, wait a minute. He made this promise just before he ascended to go back to heaven. How could it be in heaven and on earth? Well, don't forget this. Jesus was God. (laughs) And as God, he is omnipresent. That's a $5 theological word that means everywhere at all times. So he could be in heaven and on earth with these men at the same time. Jesus promised that he would be with them. But you understand that there's more to that promise than just the promise of being present. Jesus wasn't promising, hey, 
I'll be with you just to observe. I'm going to just observe. I'll be there watching, kind of seeing what happens and how things go down. He didn't promise just to be there. I'll be a uh, sympathetic comforter. So when life smacks the fire out of you, I'll be there to pat you on the back and tell you everything's going to be okay. He didn't say, I promise to be with you. I'll be your most enthusiastic cheerleader, and I'll be right behind you saying, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Whenever you read in the Bible that Jesus makes the promise of his presence, he's promising more than just being there. He's promising his help. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Boy, this verse is really special to me. I've, I've struggled my whole life with unlocking the door of fear. And pursuing life as God wanted me to. I can't tell you how many times this next verse has encouraged me to unlock the door and walk out of my prison of fear and live. It's a promise that God made to the Israelites. And it's found in the Old Testament book of Isaiah 41.10. Look at this. It's a command. Uh, he said, so don't be afraid. Well, tell me why not. For I'm with you. Isn't that something? Uh, don't be discouraged. Give me one good reason I shouldn't be discouraged. I'm your God. And here's what I'm going to do for you. I will strengthen you. And what's that next big old word? I'll help you. If he would help me right now, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Now, you're probably thinking of other examples from the Bible, like maybe Moses. God shows up to a, to a man named Moses, it really has nothing to his name, and said, uh, I'm about to perform the greatest rescue mission in the history of humanity. I'm putting you on the point. You're going to lead this. You know what Moses asked? How in the world could I do that? You remember what God said to him? I'll be with you. I'll show you everything you're supposed to do. And I'll give you every word you're supposed to speak. In other words, I'm going to be with you. You're going to pull this off because I'm going to help you do it. You remember the book of Judges? kid named Gideon. He had real anxiety issues, if you're you're familiar with the story. He had terrible anxiety issues. God shows up and says, you know, for years, the Israelites have been bullied by the Midianites. And you know what? I'm sick and tired of that. We're not going to take it anymore. Here's what's going to happen. Israel's going to put together an army, and you're going to confront them. And guess who I'm putting in charge of the army? Can you imagine getting going, uh, who? (laughs) He said, you. Gideon said, how in this world? Could I do something like that? You remember God's answer? I'll be with you. And I'll help you do this. You understand that when, when Jesus promised his presence, he was promising his help. He promised to always be with them so that he could always help them. Okay. Was that the key that unlocked their courage? Jesus promised to always be with them so that he could always help them. Was that the key that unlocked their courage? No. 
But believing that promise was the key that unlocked their courage. Believing that Jesus was with them and would always be with them and believing that he would help them unlock their courage. There it is. There it is. Did you see it? Because, man, I just jerked the cover off the key. Did you see it? Faith is the key to courage. Faith is the key to courage. Faith unlocks our courage. Courage walks over and unlocks the door, ends the siege, and said, You're free. Go live again. Here's the way it works. To unlock our courage, we must believe that God is present, faithful, and able. I I, I want to say that again. Matter of fact, I'll say that a lot in the next few weeks. To unlock our courage, we've got to believe that God is present, faithful, and able. You with me? When we are 100% confident that God is with us and that he will help us and that he is capable of handling every enemy, challenge, or problem, fear gives way to courage, and I'm telling you, courage will take it from there. You may be asking now, Ronnie, okay, I know that he promised the 11 his presence and help. Has he made me the same promise? Sure he has. I hate to blow my nose in front of people. I need to do more than I need to blow, but I'm just afraid to do that. You say, I'm afraid. I'm I'm, I'm in a prison of fear here. Something inside me said, you need to blow your nose. I'm like, I'm afraid to do that. Here's where we were. I took a side trail there for a minute. You may be, has, has God made me the same promise? Sure he has. I want you to read a, a, two verses with me in the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. And this is what the writer of the book of Hebrews said. He said, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. And I know what you're thinking. Ronnie, what in the world has God got to do with what we're talking about? Nothing that I can tell, but it is a good thought, isn't it? But then he goes on to say this, for God has said, not the rabbis, not the church leaders, not your Sunday school teacher, not your granny or your grandpa. What does he say? For God has said, I will, what's that word? Never fail you. Okay, pop quiz. How many times in your life is God going to fail you? How many times? He's never going to fail you. You say, how do I know that? He promised he wouldn't fail you. He is good. to Listen. If he fails you, he lied. And he is no liar. He said, I will never under any circumstances let you down. Man, it gets better. He goes on to say, and I will never abandon you. You know what he's saying? I'm with you too. I'm with you too. And under no circumstances will I ever cut out on you and leave you to face life. On your own. Oh, look at this. The writer says, so we can say with some degree of certainty, some degree of hope. Which, what does he say here? So we can say with absolute confidence. Unshakable confidence. The Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Here are three facts you got to know. 
Fact number one, God's with you. Not Samson. Not David with his sling. Not Batman. You know who's with you? God himself. I started to say every waking moment, but that's not true. Even when you're asleep, I picture him sitting on the edge of your bed all night long. God is with you. The God who possesses infinite knowledge, understanding and wisdom is with you every moment of every day throughout the course of your entire life. No matter what you face, the God who possesses unlimited resources and ability is right there with you. You, and he'll never leave you. At one moment of your life, are you alone? You face nothing alone. Everything you face, he is right there with you. Fact number two, God will help you. Absolutely, positively will help you. He will never let you down because he can't. Because he is faithful. Which means he's absolutely reliable. Which means that he's going to come through for you every time. It may not be, it may not be when you want it. It may not be the way you wanted it. But when he comes through for you, you will look back and go, Wow. His timing was absolutely best for me. And what he did was best for me. Fact number three, God can help you. You'll never face a problem and turn to God and go, and him go, I don't know, dude. I mean, yeah, you know, this is out of my pay grade here. And um, maybe if we could have a consultation between the angels, maybe we could come up with something. But I've never seen anything like this before. You'll never face a problem that stumps him. Matter of fact, the problems you face tomorrow, he's had solutions for for eternity. You'll never have an enemy that God can't vanquish. I mean, beat the tar out of. You'll never be in a battle God can't win. You'll never be given a task that God can't complete. You'll never be issued a challenge that's challenging for God. God's never outgunned or outwitted. There's nothing impossible for him. To overcome fear, you've got to know these facts. But you've got to take it a step further. You've got to believe these facts. When you believe with all your heart that God is present, faithful, and able, you will unlock your courage. Courage will set you free. Free from fear. And free to live life to the full. Where do we go from here? I've given you the key today. Here's what we all got to learn. We got to learn when to use the key and how to use the key. By the time this series is over, I want you to be proficient at that. So, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to study some people that kept the key in their pocket. And man, they knew just when to get it out. How to use it and walk through the barriers of fear and live life as God intended. 
Uh, I'm going to tell you something. I'm probably going to regret this because you know the way things work for me sometimes. Who do you think we're going to study next? Well, we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath, okay? Maybe you want to read ahead on that. I know we're all familiar with that story. I'm not so much interested in David as I am the entire Israelite army that seemed to be locked behind a door of fear, okay? So if you want to read ahead, you do that, and then I'll probably come here next week and say, hey, guess what? We're not talking about David and Goliath, you know? But uh, it, it, it won't hurt you to do that anyway because we are going to look at him one of these weeks. I think it's next week, okay? Life's better on the other side of that locked door. That's where we're headed. Let's pray together. Father, in my mind, I think of you, I think of all that you forgave me for. And I go, man, that's more than enough. And then I think about the fact that I'm not going to hell. And I go, man, that's more than enough. And then I start thinking about the fact that I'm going to heaven. And I think to myself, that's certainly more than enough. And then I do a study like this and I realize that you're with me. As the weeks go on, we get more and more of a grasp of this. It gets burned into our minds that we never see ourselves alone again. We never see ourselves as outnumbered again. We never see ourselves dead-ended again. We never see ourselves hopeless again. Because we see absolutely convinced that you are present you are faithful and you are able you help us to become a group of people who fear less in Christ's name we pray amen thank you guys for being here have a great great remainder of your Sunday